is Mostly True, a podcast that proves that everybody has a story. Hi. Hi. It's a it's a land sister podcast. Yep. Yep. Um, I was actually thinking about, you know, earlier today. Uh, we have we have two podcasts and I was you know, the first one has already gone out. Pods Burgers. It's been shipped. First episode is is out and about. It's in the and ether. It is. And I was thinking we should probably uh, treat these independently. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, who knows? Maybe people will listen to both, I hope. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. Mm-hmm. Totally, you know, different. You should listen to both. It's true. It, it, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. But there's a there's a different vibe to each of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may be into one and not the other. I guess the vibe will be about the same. Yeah. No. I mean, well, the energy anyway, yeah. which is entirely weird. But the topic. Yes. The topic will be different. We will be talking about our own original content in this podcast. Yes. Which is going to be, again, weird. I mean, that's just, that's the word that I use to describe myself all the time. And yeah. that's, that is a good kind of weird. I mean, it's fair. Not a scary kind. No. So why don't you, I mean, we've said before, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have stories and I'm going to wing it, but why don't you lay out to us, all of us, including me. Yes. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What, what's happening? I mean, yeah, let's do that. Um, Oh, so I'm Brittany, by the way. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, we'll introduce ourselves appropriately. That's Jen. I don't know if appropriately is the word mm-hmm. uh, in, in a second, but I am Jen. That is Brittany. Um, but so what are we doing here? Um, the idea behind it is most people believe that they do not have anything interesting in their life or interesting stories to tell. And it's just not true. It is not true. Um, being storytellers and writers, as Brittany and I are, um, we we find very quickly that people do in fact have stories. They just don't realize it. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, storytelling mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Brittany and I are going to uh, be the only people telling stories in this particular episode. But going forward, uh, we will have maybe not every episode, although that's the plan. It's just a matter of whether we can find uh, the right people. But we will have uh, guests on to tell their story, and uh, we will have a theme. So start thinking about any stories that you might have, y'all listening, and uh, you can email us an idea of a theme if you have a story around it. And maybe we'll invite you to be a part of this podcast. Do you remember what the email address is that people might email us to? Um, I can find it if you want to continue chatting. Yeah, let's do that. Sorry. So, Lloyd's my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to hear a lot of snorfling and flapping. Guys, it's like I'm inviting you into my home. And And, and and my heart, because I'm in her home. It's true. But... Part of that is my dog. Um, he he's wearing he's wearing a cone right now. 
Um, <laughs> he just deflated. He 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 has a skin condition. He's trying to recover from, and that is the saddest thing I have yeah, ever seen. He's uh he's very melodramatic about it. I'm sure you heard him flop down in the background there. Just keep talking. I'm going to take a picture yeah. real quick. Like yeah, this is the best. Um, where was? It? Jen and I have joked before that in the event of an apocalypse, you know, I don't have a whole lot of fantastic skills. Like I can't fix engines. I can't hunt. I can't do all of these things. I can cook a little bit, but one of my biggest skills would be to keep people entertained with stories, Yeah, which is and, important. And, and, to, and to, to hold the history mm-hmm. because uh, I, have a, I have a really strong memory and I have a memory for details. And mm-hmm. which um, I do not. So you're going to find me leaning on Jen an awful lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, should the world end, come find us because mm-hmm. you're going to need us to help you remember all the things. Yes. And I can also sing to your animals. That's yeah. my other. That's my. Yeah. Um, I mean, super I don't talent. know. I, I, I can do your makeup. Yeah. So that you can be fabulous during the apocalypse. <laughs> I can make your eyeshadow match your gun. It's true. I mean, whatever you need. Um, okay. So if you wish to email us and ask any questions or make comments or send love, I like love. Or most importantly, if you have a story yes. that you would like to propose that you share on this podcast. Yes. Um, which we encourage. Please, please do. Um it's you got stories. That's Y O U got stories all smooshed together at gmail.com. Email us. Yes, please. All right. Please don't send nudes. Oh, please don't. Um, okay. So what we're doing here, um, as I said, there will be a theme each podcast. Also, if you have a story that falls with the theme that we're going to talk about today, please do feel free to uh, send that story along or the fact that you have a story um, to that Gmail address um, because uh, we could read those uh, in the next podcast if we get anything. Um, But we're going to have a theme and we're each going to tell a story um, based on that theme, a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, the, you know, when you're telling a story that's true, I always call them true-ish or mostly true because, you know, nobody has a perfect memory. And I've, I've always said that memory is like looking at something in a mirror because you can never be sure that somebody looking from somewhere else is seeing the same thing that you are. So that's the disclaimer mm-hmm. for anyone who uh, may have been present for any of the stories that are told uh, on this podcast, either by Brittany or me or anybody who's uh, a, a part of this podcast in the future. Um, I just want you to keep in mind that this is, you know, just the story that belongs to the person. So, hey, Jen. Yeah. What's our theme? Our theme this week, this time, Mm -hmm. I don't know, is this going to be weekly? I have no idea. This time. Uh, This time is Childhood Fears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jen. Hey, Brittany. Tell me a story. (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Okay. 
Thank you. I'd really love to. Tell me a story. I guess I'm going first. Yes. Um, okay. So childhood fears. Everybody has childhood fears. I don't think there's a child that does not have a fear. Um, if there is a child who doesn't have a fear, I don't want to know that child because they're maybe a sociopath. I, I want to point out that I'm not sure where Jen is going to go with this story, but my son and Jen had multiple fears when yes. they grew up. And so um, I experienced from a sister's perspective as well as a parent's perspective. So it's interesting for me to hear stories that Jen tells. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I immediately think of my son when you start yeah. speaking of these things. So, so yeah. So as Brittany alluded to, I was a very frightened child. I think if you were to describe me as a child, frightened would have to come at the very beginning. Um, I was mainly made up of fear. Um, I and was, cookies. <laughs> yeah. Well, when oh, I that's could true. Get, yeah. Maybe ding-dongs. Yes. We had a lot of ding-dongs in our house ding growing dong, up. Ding-dong, yo. Um, so my fears were unusual. Uh, so kids, a lot of times, if you ask them what they're afraid of, they're afraid of the dark or, um, dogs, dogs, you know, which (laughs) those, I wasn't afraid of the dark, oddly enough, but, um, heights and dogs were (laughs) two of my fears. Um, most of the fears that you see you can think of, I probably had at one point or another in my life. Um, but I also went into really strange existential places, uh, in my thinking as well as my fears when I was a child. And what's interesting about that, at least to me, is if you know me now, I have almost no fears. Most of the time, I don't feel afraid very often. I can feel anxious. I can maybe feel intimidated depending on the situation, but that doesn't happen very often. But actual fear just is not something I experience very often. So when you uh, experienced this as a child, would you describe it as fear or anxiety that you felt? Uh, Terror. Terror. For the most part. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And You know, my fears are very encapsulated today. I still have a fear of heights. It's it's an actual phobia. Um, It's one of the things that I could be maybe the first on my list of things that I would change about myself if I could. And I've tried a lot of different things to get rid of my fear of heights. Um, And a lot of people try to helpfully help me get rid of my fear of heights and nothing has worked. You go at it though, man. I do. You really go at it. I do because... Because I've spent so much of my life being afraid, I I try to kill all of those things. Now, I think some amount of healthy fear needs to remain, mm-hmm. but most of my life was defined by fear, um, and and this went well into my thirties. Um, I'm now in my forties. And I've somewhat gotten, you know, most of it under control and I'm, I'm, I've killed most of those fears, but so I have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
with childhood fears. Did you choose um, just one, or are you just going to... I mean, I, I'm going to give kind of an out, out, an outline of some of them, but there's one in particular that oh, I Oh, man, I hope today. it's the one I'm thinking of, because that one's um, like... I mean, I know it's terrible, because poor little Jen was terrified, yeah. but it makes me laugh. Yeah. So... Um, so, I remember uh, the very first time I felt really afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, I mean, who knows if babies feel afraid, but... When I was very, very, very little, I, it was before preschool, um, because I can describe, and I have described to my mother, the house we lived in at the time, mm-hmm. and it blows her mind when I describe this house to her. Because you were so young. I was 18 months old when right. we lived there. So it was sometime between 18 months old and preschool that this happened, that I had my first nightmare that I can remember. It involved a dollhouse and these muffins that our grandmother would make that had uh, raisins in them. Do you mm-hmm. remember yep, Grandma Vi's yeah. raisin muffins? And tasty. And the devil. Oh, of course. <laughs> and the dollhouse would spin and there would be evil uh, dolls in it. And then the dollhouse would spin and it would be okay. And then it would spin and it and then the muffins were involved. Fuck, <laughs> I know. That is creepy. I know. It's kind of like I was born afraid, you know? It's 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 bizarre. Um, but <laughs> They spilled the afraid on you. They did. Oh, quick, just ship it. It's, it's strange. I'm, I feel really sad for me as a child. Oh, no, I want to give you a little cuddle. Um, but you would be so interesting right now, so let's just leave you the way you are. To be clear... I did have, you know, happiness as a child. I really loved my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings and I were very, very close and still are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we had just some amazing experiences, but um, it was always under, kind of underpinned by this anxiety and fear that I had about, you know... Life. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I remember um, in kindergarten... Uh, I, I was in the morning session of kindergarten, so my mother would come and get me from kindergarten and bring me home and give me a snack. And I remember sitting in the TV room of our beautiful mid-century modern house that we had um, in Southern California when I was in kindergarten. And she would give me toasted coconut as a snack in this little Tupperware bowl. And I had found this little hidey hole between this built-in bookshelf that we had and then this uh it wasn't the credenza, but it was a, you know, a, a piece of furniture that was mm-hmm. against the back wall. And I would put a booster seat and I could fit perfectly in this little nook mm-hmm. and watch TV. And I remember sitting there holding my little toasted coconut bowl and eating it with my hands and thinking the deepest existential thoughts <laughs> possible. And I was in kindergarten, but I clearly remember thinking, is there somebody... Is, is this all me or is there somebody in me that isn't me? And what's the me that's out here and the me that's in here? And I'm eating coconut. Oh, child. <laughs> and, and, and all of my fears kind of came from that area where I really overthought everything. Mm-hmm. As Brittany well knows. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember very early on becoming very afraid that people would break in the house and murder me and my family. 
I would tell Brittany all the time, for some reason, I, 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 the people who were out to get us, I named them the old fogies. Yeah, I know. I remember the old fogies. I don't know why I named them that. No, I, I want to say it was a joke that one of the older siblings, and we just sort of ran with it. And I feel like I made it up, though. Is this... It could be. I mean, it, it could very well be. I, mean, I just remember every time we would see... Wrong, but and I always thought we were joking. I mean, I guess you were to some degree, but we would see like a There's a, a bit van. of truth in every joke. Yes. No, it's true. Um, but it's funny because uh, people always talk about how the 70s and 80s and like, you know, way back when was so much safer and kids Mm -hmm. could go play Mm -hmm. out and like ride their bikes and everything. And kids were getting fucking murdered and like tortured up and down all over the 70s and 80s. So I don't know what the fuck everybody was thinking, but um, sorry, I've had wine. So that means my F word. It's going to be lots of F's, you guys. Just went way up. But um, strap in. So we would, like, every time a van would drive by, we'd be like, oh, look out, it's the old fogies. And mm-hmm. I was always joking, but, you know, mm-hmm. I guess deep down, poor little Jennifer was just, like, sweating yeah, that the old fogies were going to get us. Yeah, the old fogies were going to break in and, and kill us and, and kill the family. And I was also, it looks like Brittany wants Oh, no, this. I was I was just, it suddenly occurred to me that this probably is where your um, fondness for true crime novels came from. Yes, And this is what I was going to say, is that I was not only afraid that they would break into the house and kill us all, but, you know, I was afraid, you know, that, you know, I was walking from the classroom to the bathroom and somebody was going to kill me. And I think that came from the fact, there's a couple of different things. Um, I want a cookie. Somebody's going to kill me. Exactly. I'm going Um, to the bathroom. Our mother was always very... um, uh, open with us about the terrible things that could happen to us. <laughs> oh, um, she wasn't just open. She would like, okay, you're going where? Let me give you an exhaustive list of all of the things. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just, this is what could happen. It was, this is what is going to happen. So you so, need to be prepared. Just know that. Um, and so we'd have to roll out and riot gear all the time. Yes. So. And for some reason, anytime our mother would hear about a particularly uh, I don't want to say gruesome, although that was part of it, but you know, a crime, sensational crime. She wanted to, she wanted to talk about it. And I don't remember necessarily her talking directly to us about it when we were kids, when we got older, she wanted to talk to us about it, but I certainly remember her talking to her friends about it and not really, Paying attention to who was around. Um, you know, yeah. it's not that she didn't care, because I think our mother always cared about us, but but to some degree didn't care that we were there. You know, I, I have a very clear memory of sitting at a barbecue at a friend's, a family friend's house, and I remember her with a, a, a bunch of ladies uh, that she knew talking about the hi-fi murders mm. that happened mm. in Ogden mm. here in Utah, Sorry. which are horrible, horrible. And I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, the circumstances of what went down during those murders are some of the, and, and I know a lot about, there's, a, there Definitely are some things that I know a lot about, but there's nothing I know more about than true crime. Yeah. And I can tell you that there are few crimes that are more disturbing that I know about than the hi-fi murders. And definitely not something that small children should be overhearing. Exactly. Yes. And I, and I clearly remember her 
them going into detail about, you know, the different things that happened. And she knew I was there because I was sitting on her lap. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of that. I'll have to tell that story here in a minute. Okay. It just reminds me again. I'm going to my son, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. I have a story. Oh (laughs) yeah. I know the story. Not as bad Um, as that. No, no, no. So I, I think, I think a couple of things played in there. I think part of it was, um, that she maybe didn't think that we were internalizing the things we were hearing to the degree sure. that at least I was. I can't say well, about it. She probably else. didn't know she had this existential. I mean, who would? <laughs> prodigy. Right? I mean, it's bizarre. With her bowl of coconut. <laughs> um, I always remember that bowl of coconut. Um, but I think the other part of it um, that, that, that kind of played into that um, whole thing was my mother has always been emphatic for as long as I can remember that she absolutely would not lie to her children to the degree that it was, it was kind of damaging. Um, I remember as a child, you know, a lot of people have anxiety about their parents dying Mm -hmm. and because of who I was as a child and I was afraid of everything. That was another one of my intense fears was particularly my mother dying. Right. Um, I loved my father and all, but I was very attached to my mother Um, And I remember I would say to her, so you're not going to die, right? And she would say, well, I can't promise you that. And it was so disturbing to me. And I would say, I would say, but, but you're not right. And she would say, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to die right now, but I can't tell you I'm not going to die because what if I do? And then I will have lied to you. She (laughs) said that? Yes. Oh my Lord. And it was always, even back then as a kid, I would think, can you not just tell me you're not going to die and just leave it well, at no, that. I see. And again, from the, from the other perspective, Elliot would ask me similar questions, not about me going to die or anything, but he would always ask these absolutes. And I understand that. Will children, I throw up? Yes. And I'm like, I can't, I can't Maybe tell you I won't. <laughs> and then if you do, you'll be absolutely livid with me, mm-hmm. you know, so I have no control over you. And never believe me again. Your gastrointestinal system. I'm sorry, <laughs> Elliot. I'm sorry. So for me, it for was For the just, record, he almost never threw up. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, anyway. I, I don't know. It was... Anyway, phobias. Phobias is all I have to say. And I, I realize that there there's a certain level of nurturing that you need to give to a child. But for me, it wasn't that I didn't want to... I was like, I will absolutely never lie to you because obviously I'm going to try and never lie to my children. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was more of a, I don't want this to become a trust thing. If I promise on my life, you are not going to throw up and then you throw up. What does that do to our relationship? So anyway, but how, but, but really what does it do? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like I said, I just didn't want him to feel like I'd betrayed him. Yeah. And to be fair, I am not a parent. So I, 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 I've I never would been... probably have told him, no, I'm not going to die. If yeah. it were that kind of a, a conversation. Yes. So anyway. So the other piece that I was going to say, um, and this isn't even my main fear, but that's okay because we can go as long as we want then and edit, edit it down. But the other piece of why I was so obsessed with somebody's going to kill us or somebody's going to kill me was because of Reader's Digest drama in real life. Oh my God. I completely, there were like two sets of those. They would do the drama in real life in another series. I would look for those in every one. So our mother 
obsessively subscribed to Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had the, you know, the little, like, like true story joke, mm-hmm. you know, stories that people would submit. And I always loved those, mm-hmm. and I always read those, and there were, you know, the different um, types. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but what they were called, but there were, like, several different in that yeah. series. Yeah. But the thing that I loved the most about Reader's Digest was drama in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And drama in real life was essentially the written form of... A show that I became obsessed with later in life called I Survived. And drama in real life was generally a first-person account, although sometimes it was a third person. But it, it was an account of some dramatic, terrible thing that had happened to somebody in life in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Drama. And it was either something like they were... Um, hiking and they hurt themselves and they had to somehow get down off the mountain or they were in a car accident and trapped in their car and they had to get out. Or my favorites, which sounds terrible, but the ones that I sought out and also hated, but read obsessively, mm-hmm. were the ones about people who had been attacked mm-hmm. in some way and had ended up surviving the attack. Right. And I just consumed those just rabidly, you know, and that fed into this whole... Someone's going to get you? No one is ever safe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something terrible could happen at any moment kind of a thing. Fun fact, Jen has traumatized me with stories of I survived (laughs) on more than one occasion. Another fun fact, I uh, used to watch it obsessively. I I would would, um, DVR... Five or six, and then I would just watch them back to back, and I believed oh them to be life affirming, which to some degree I still believe because there are these people who were going through the most horrible things you can imagine. And didn't give up. I, I dig and it. still were just I dig ready it. to just keep going to do anything to live. But I I went back and tried to watch an episode about two years ago and couldn't make it through the episode. Was this the tissue in the hook hand one? No. I mean, that one was... I still can't get on an escalator without having terrible... There was a terrible, terrible I survived about an escalator. Gnarly. You don't think that you could have a really intense extended story about an escalator, but you can. Jesus Christ. You can so many things it and she was out. like okay I'm done and then she just keep going and I'm like Jen why and why? it was on fire and and hair just getting yanked out and it was awful bodies awful. so anyway this was Jen when she was younger <laughs> terrible um okay so so you know that kind of is a, is an outline of you know sad you know I I, I had a great happy you know childhood uh, but also just a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, I think if you were to go back and look at my childhood and say, okay, what are the fears that really stand out as bizarre? There are two of them, and one of them on its face is not bizarre because a lot of children have this fear, and that was my my phobia of vomiting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember. I have a story about that one. I have a story. <laughs> but <laughs> did you want to tell it right now? No, no, oh. no, I don't. <laughs> um, but uh, 
my fear of vomiting is, uh, stands out because it was to such a, an intense degree Mm -hmm. that it actually changed from a phobia of vomiting, which I don't know if there's a real name for the phobia. There there must be. Of vomiting. We should look it up. Yeah. Um, but it actually changed from a phobia of vomiting to uh, agoraphobia, which is the fear of leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Somehow in my mind as a child, I had assigned that if I left the house, I was much more likely to vomit mm-hmm. <laughs> than if I was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, they actually pulled me out of school um, when I was in first grade for a period of time. And... Um, it's an emetophobia. Emetophobia. Thank you, archivist. Fear of, fear of vomiting. This is Christopher, the archivist, is behind us here. Yes. So, um, so because I I would go to school and then I would immediately feel like I needed to come home because I was so anxious. Well, um, and when you're anxious, you feel like you're going to throw up. Yes. So. So I mean that one. Like I said, a lot of kids have that fear. Um, I just took it to an extreme. Um, but the other fear I'm so excited <laughs> that I had that I can safely say <laughs> maybe less than 1% of children in the world have had this fear ever. Maybe we haven't interviewed them. It's entirely possible. I'm the only child who ever had this fear. I don't think so. Um, but I love it. And I mean, I have witnesses. You all are not going to believe me. But I think probably my most intense fear that I had as a child was a fear of astral projection. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Accidentally astral projecting. I was just paralyzed with fear at the idea of astral projection. I remember you didn't really talk about it a lot, but you mentioned it to me because you would say things to me. And I remember in my head thinking, like I was expecting like anything, (laughs) (laughs) literally fucking anything other than astral projecting. I mean, and rightly so. you sounded so... I don't even know how to say it. Not necessarily sad and not ashamed and not afraid, but maybe a combination. And I'm like, what do do I say to her right now? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I was like, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to explain a little more because I know this doesn't make sense to the people that are listening. Like, like what about, I'm going to get into all of that, but let me say this. I do remember saying something about it to Brittany and also our older brother, Rob, who the three of us, uh, hung out a lot. Um, and also our older brother, Jim, I never said anything to him about it, but he hung out with us a lot as well. So you, you will hear a lot about Rob and Jim, um, throughout this podcast. But, um, I remember actually bringing it up to Brittany. And then another time when Rob and Brittany and I were all hanging out, bringing up again. And, I remember how much it took for me to actually mm-hmm. bring it up because I was ashamed of it. I knew that it was a strange thing to be afraid of, mm-hmm. but I was so scared and so anxious about it yeah. that I needed somebody else. I needed to talk to somebody else about it. I needed somebody else to tell me some yeah, way to I deal with what I was feeling about this. Like it, 
I don't know if this is something that I just thought of when I was younger or or if it's something that I actually proposed to you, but I remember saying, well, if I put my arm, my hand on your arm while you're asleep, that will make you remember to stay in your body or something along yeah. those lines. I was just like, what can, like, I, I legit was like, how can I keep her from astral projecting? <laughs> When you have a Chil- sister like or Jennifer, <laughs> just anybody who doesn't have children right now, I need you to think about this because this is a real thing that you have to be gentle but firm. I mean, about. it depends on the child, right? Like, yes. And 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 let me let me just let me be really clear about this. My fear of astral projection. Started when I was about six. I know, I know. This is so. It's not like I was (laughs) fifteen. Okay, so not only did I understand astral projection and what it was, but I had considered it long enough that I had developed an active and intense fear of astral projection. Okay, I have to ask this though. No, so when you maybe you're going to get to this, but I'm going to ask it, and you can say, "Wait, yeah, wait, wait." Um, when you were afraid of astral projecting, <laughs> were you afraid you would go somewhere scary or not be oh, able I'll to come get, back? Trust okay. me, I'm going right, to get into cool. all of that. All right, here we so, are. So um, there might be a weird jump cut there. I had to pause and feed my dog, but you know, again real life. You gotta take care of things. So, when we left you... <laughs> Jen was afraid to astral project. Yeah. So, in the break, Chris, who was our archivist, told uh, told me that he was looking for a name of a phobia of astral projection, and the only thing he could find was tips for people who want to astral project and are afraid to do it and how <laughs> to overcome that. No information about... Uh, you know, people who are afraid they'll do it <laughs> accidentally. Like that's so, what I always pictured when you would say this. Like you were like, did you? Were you worried you were going to lay down too hard and just pop straight out of your body, or you know? So, so yeah, I guarantee you, those of you listening, when when I said, you know, my next fear, astral projection was not <laughs> even on the that's list. That's what I'm saying. When you said, I you know, I need some, I need some comfort, or you know, I remember how you like broached the topic with me, but it was just like I'm like, oh, here she comes. She's got an, an astral projecting. I was like yeah. knives, you know, I, I don't know anything, anything no, but that. No, I, and there maybe there isn't a name for it because. There's got to be. I'm going to do some more research on this. So, um, so anyway, um, as I said, this fear started very early in my life. I was about six. Was it maybe a- seven? But I think I was six-ish when I first um, became aware of astral projection. Did you read it in a drama in real life? No. So, so I came of age in primarily the '80s. And um, those of you who are of a certain age may remember um, a time period when Shirley MacLaine was very well known for oh, her New Age yes. beliefs. Yes, and I, yes, yes. I think it primarily came from, from that, um, just knowing 
about, uh, you know, pop culture. And for some reason, I've always absorbed pop culture almost by osmosis. Um, I don't seek it out, but for some reason I, you know, have just always been able to just kind of rattle off these weird things about celebrities. And Shirley MacLaine in the 80s was very into new age of all different kinds. Reincarnation. um, Any of that weird... I shouldn't say weird. uh, Non-mainstream. Yes. um, Unusual. Unusual belief system. Particularly for that time period. Because if you remember, America in the 80s was all about, you know... Not that it's not now, but it was all about kind of the more mainstream yeah. uh, Christian... The the Ronald Reagan era. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very... Ronald Reagan! It was very strange, and it, it was newsworthy, you know, how strange she was. And she would talk about astral projection, and I don't actually remember if she said she astral projected herself. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just a concept that, you know, she was fascinated with or whatever. But um, to come back to our mother, uh, so so Brittany and I uh, were raised in an LDS home. Um, That's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, the Mormons. Yes. Um, and neither one of us practice now. And, and I need to be clear that, you know, I'm going to go into a little bit of of the theology that we were raised with. Um, I am not anti-Mormon per se. Nor are we spokespeople for in, in any way for this religion. No. So. <laughs> um, neither side of it. Um, I, uh, there are certain, you know, uh, tenets and beliefs that I don't subscribe to. Therefore I don't practice anymore. But, um, we also were very, were raised in a very unusual LDS home. And let me explain. Um, there were certain aspects to the way that we were raised and the the philosophies that we were taught that were very liberal mm-hmm. from an LDS standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother would overtly say that she didn't like feminism, but she would teach us feminism very much so. Mm-hmm. I think it was just in the many term. Ways. Yes. Yeah, in many ways. I think it was just the term that kind of bothered her. Yeah, and in the, again, in the 80s, the term feminism had a very particular type of, there was a stereotype associated yes. with it, etc. And and we, I know, you know, now looking back that we've always been feminists. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, her, her views on, uh, uh, race and, and, uh, gender and, uh, sexuality and things like that were very liberal mm-hmm. from an LDS standpoint. Um, but then there were other ways in which our mother was intensely fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. which is also not a typical hallmark of the LDS faith. Yeah, it's no. The LDS faith has some things that are really intense, but for the most part, it's about forgiveness and redemption and eternal progression and all of that. Yes. So, it's the softer side of... <laughs> to some degree. Yes. Um... And, but, but our mother, um, her, her viewpoint was way more of the devil in the night chair mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. if you guys know, you're Hieronymus Bosch. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was very intense, very, you know, you better watch out or the demons are going to get you. Like one like, of those, even a bad thought is a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. And my mother was very preoccupied with demons. Yes. She talked about them a lot. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how thinking about them could bring them to you. and mm-hmm. And so... At some point, she communicated to me that if you astral projected, demons could then enter your body Ah. while you were away. Yes. Like, ill, absolutely. You had your vacancy sign out. Squatter's rights. (laughs) And... I'm just going to get comfy down in here. (laughs) Yeah. It's like like if you were at a park Mm -hmm. and there were only so many picnic tables. Yeah. And you left the picnic table, and the demons were like, that is an empty picnic table. Best astral projecting analogy ever. (laughs) They would just jump on that. Yeah. Because they need a place to, you know, have their party with KFC and Hostess cupcakes. That was always picnics when we were kids. Um, So there was that part of it that concerned me. (laughs) Well, sure. as you can imagine. But here's the thing. I remember thinking... <laughs> what small child would be like NBD <laughs> about demons in their yeah. body, so... I remember thinking really hard about, okay, if I astral project and I come back and there's demons <laughs> parting it up. Doors open. Creak. <laughs> What does that mean? Like, you like you come back and you open the door and the demons are like, it's oh. a record scratch. <laughs> They're in there playing all your records and shit. Um, Wearing your underpants. <laughs> Terrible. Um, That's the worst that demons can do in my world. <laughs> Play your records and wear your underpants. That sounds like my kind of party. Dude, man, stay away from my records and my underpants. Um, so... You know, I, I always thought, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that I then, I'm back in my body and also I have demons? <laughs> and what does that mean? Or does that mean, like, there's no room? Like, I can't get back in. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to, like, kick it outside of my body forever. Mm-hmm. Which, if I had thought really hard about it when I was a kid, I probably would have realized that, you know, yeah, I want my body, but I can go anywhere. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like... But you couldn't hang out with me. You can go see. I have to hang out with your dumb demon body (laughs) and you. Dumb demon body. (laughs) Um, Damn it! Weirdest kid in the lousy with demons. (laughs) Um, So there was that piece of it, and that was that was probably the 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 biggest part. But here's the thing about it is, um, I think to some degree, like deep down, I really. Oh, God. I really wanted to astral project. <laughs> Maybe you should have read the article that Chris found. But I was so scared about it <laughs> that there was a part of me that was like, you want, you really want to try Because it, dude, it sounds righteous. Super fun. I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And I think because I, you know, as a child, you know, having so many fears as I did, And also, um, you know, being the youngest of five kids and we didn't always have a lot of money and, uh, to be able to do the things that, you know, kids dream about doing. 
and I had medical issues. Um, I had some pretty intense migraines and things. So the idea of being able to just like slough all of that off and just hit it and be able to go and see amazing things and be completely free to do that. I think subconsciously really appealed to me. And I think that's where it started was you're worried that you're going to want it enough that you'll Yes. Astral project, and then you'll have these squatter <laughs> demons who are like cooking shit over a shopping cart on your body front lawn. <laughs> They're waiting. They're no, waiting. They're I like, know. I prime know. Real estate. <laughs> um, That's so, what mom wanted you to think. And and here's the thing. I need to be clear because I feel kind of bad, even you know, sharing this in a public forum because I don't want people to think my mother. You know. It probably shouldn't have been, you know, telling us the things that she did. But I think her intentions were. Oh pure. yeah, no, she. Absolutely I think she. Did she not genuinely. Yeah, I think she mm-hmm. genuinely wanted us. I don't think that she had any consideration that we would actually astral project. Well, <laughs> and then again, I, it, I honestly feel like she probably didn't realize the level of intellect she was dealing with in some of these situations. I and mean, I'm not saying we're brilliant. We're pretty fucking brilliant, but, but. I think she didn't understand exactly how much you were absorbing. I really don't. I mean, and that's totally fair because you you can never really like. <laughs> I think about the kids that I know, and ha- and being a younger, uh, a youngest child, and not ever really being around kids younger than than I was. Mm-hmm. I never really had reference of what it is to be around kids that were the age that I was when these things happened. Right. Until, you know, like Elliot right. was born or I've seen friends, children. Um, so I, I can totally see myself sitting down with Sam's son, my, my friend Sam's son, who's six and being like, not like talking to him you know about what, it. Not dude, like you're not going to astral project. But like, no matter how much you think you can, accidentally. But I can see like you and I having a conversation in front of him and him asking me about it, and me just giving him a throwaway like. Yeah. Some people think that if you astral project, you know, that it leaves your body open to things or whatever, you know, and not thinking that he's going to take that and completely like, yeah, run, oh, with, run it. with it. Yeah, like I ran sure. with it. Um. So that's totally fair. And, and then fucking Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> I mean. Um, so here's the other thing about it though, is I was so afraid of it that I didn't want to know more about it. You know, anytime there was any talk of anything like that, I would shut down and I would leave and I would, you know, try to distract myself so that, and, and let me be clear in the eighties, there was a lot of talk about stuff like that. It's not like, it's not like now, like you'd have to seek out astral projection information for some reason the 80s was was a was a hotbed of astral projection so <laughs> at least it was to me um but if i had it's not like i knew how to do it is what i'm saying mm-hmm. and 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 so you didn't know if you weren't doing it <laughs> no it's not even that it was that the only thing that i really understood about astral projection was that you went into a meditative state to the point where your consciousness separated from your physical body. Right. So in my mind, because I was so young, that mm-hmm. was falling asleep. Right. Or it was relaxing a lot. Mm-hmm. So then that became attached to, I had really bad insomnia mm-hmm. when I was a child mm-hmm. as well, because I was worried that if I got too relaxed, I'd astral project. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember 
Brittany specifically and my mother both telling me people work really hard to be able to get to a point where they can do this. And I remember my mother saying there's actually no proof that people have ever done. Cause how do you prove that? Right. Right. Um, there have been accounts of people that have talked about things that they had no way of witnessing. Right. That have said, well, I astral projected to get there. So whether astral projection is actually a thing or not, I actually don't know enough about That's it. That's not what we're say. here to do. Yeah. I have no idea if somebody can actually astral project or not. What I know though, is when I was six years old, trying to fall asleep, I, I wasn't going to, right. I know that now. And I remember you guys telling me that, but I also remember thinking, well, they don't know, you know, they don't really know. Cause they don't know enough about astral projection. Right. And I'm kind of that way, not about astral projection, but today is, um, even if I 100% believe somebody is and trust them and trust them and they're intelligent and they've never lied to me that I know of, or, you know, if they have, it's been little white lies because everybody lies. Come on. Um, I feel like I have to get to somebody who is an expert in it Mm -hmm. before I will believe it. So again, where was I going to get that? Like super Elliot, everything. (laughs) Were we going to find, you know, were we, were we going to go to Shirley MacLaine? Actually, if, if she had taken me to Shirley MacLaine, you would have, it would have helped. Yeah. Yeah. It really would have helped because it would have helped me, man. I'd be like, (laughs) can we sing? Let's chat a little bit. So, um, also I need to say that for a really long time and I'm talking well into my thirties, this fear of mine wasn't, was very shameful to me. I wouldn't talk about it. Really? I didn't want people to bring it up. Um, it was, is it okay that I find it amusing now? Oh yeah. It's hilarious. Okay. But, but I've come to a point where I've distanced myself enough from fear in general that I can look at it and say, a so sad for Mm. that little girl who had to, because it was, it was a long time. It was years Mm -hmm. and it was very intense. I mean, it was, it was insomnia. It was, uh, stomach aches. It was, you know, it was just, it was kind of, uh, there were periods of my life where that defined me, Mm -hmm. you know, not just that fear, but fear in general. Um, but it is so strange. It is such a weird thing to be afraid of that. I mean, I looked at it and I thought, what a freak, like what a freaky little kid. Like that's so embarrassing and so shameful. But I finally came to a point where I, I kind of, I had to embrace it because that, all of that has made me who I am yeah. and given me perspective of, of everything else. And, and I think it's actually really an interesting thing it, about it me It absolutely now. is. And I think one of the things that um, helps in embracing something that like that, that you would feel ashamed of for being quote unquote weird um, is that it's never just about, it's not like you woke up one day and you were like, I'm afraid I'm going to astral project. There are so many threads that feed into a particular phobia that gets you to the point where you are not sleeping and, you know, all of these kinds of things. So for me, um, yeah, you don't want to sit here and like psychoanalyze all of the weird shit that was going on in your little brain. But, um, I was a weird kid. Like, so incredibly introverted, worse than anything 
that I've ever experienced or spoken to anybody experiencing before. Um, and it was hard for me to be okay with that because, um, people live, live their lives and they, they go camping and they go swimming and they go on vacation and they go to school and they have a laugh with their friends. And that was not my life. My life was never a series of one, two, three, four, this is how life is. And you know, it never, ever, ever was. So for me to just kind of look back at that and say, this is not just, I'm a weirdo. This is a culmination of things That's what's important. But I think that was part of where the shame came in for me was I looked at other people's lives and to some degree, you know, you never know what's going on inside. Cause I sure, think, no. I think if anybody had known me as a child, you know, I was super cute mm-hmm. and precocious, precocious and, you know, whatever. And I think that they would look at me and be, and, and think, you know, maybe she has some fears. She's fine. Oh, what but, an imagination. Yeah, yeah. But not really understand what was happening. So to some degree, it's just perception. But to to another extent, it is. it really is this isolating thing that makes you different from other people. Because like, like we were talking about, you know, Chris the archivist couldn't even find a name for it. And it, it is so strange. Mm-hmm. And it's not like kids my own age, right? any good friends that I had or anything, I couldn't sit down with them and be like, do you ever, are you ever afraid to go to sleep at night because you're afraid your consciousness will separate from your physical body and then maybe demons will come but in? But then again, maybe you could have. And whether or not that kid could actually say, yeah, they could at least say, well, that's interesting. Maybe we should, you know, yeah. tell me about it. But most little kids... No, they wouldn't. I mean, I had... I can think of two or three friends that I had when I was younger that looking back on it now, I probably could have talked to them about it and they may not have been able to empathize, but they would have sympathized. Right. Um, but you don't know that when you're a kid, you just, it's so isolating. It's like you're, it's like you're behind this glass and you can see all of the normal people on the other side and you're back here and you're just thinking, well, you know, I knew it wasn't normal to be afraid of what I was afraid of. Yeah. But I didn't know how to stop yeah. being afraid of it. Yeah. And nowadays it's like if I if I'm trying to go to sleep and I astral project, I'm gonna be like, holy crap, I'm going to Greece. Yeah. You know? it's yeah. Like it's it's gonna be fine. Demons take care of that body. <laughs> it's so that was uh that was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, my story about childhood fears top that one. No, any of you, maybe, uh, maybe we should have ended with that one because honestly, when, when you gave me this topic, I was like, Oh yeah, no, I've got so much to say. And then I started actually thinking about it and writing notes and all this. And then I was like, this is going to be like one super bummer of a podcast because no, it's been funny so far. No, it has been. But for me, I don't have one of those astral projecting kind of fears. Because who does? Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying is, so for me, I was like, okay, listen, the whole point of this podcast is there's a story whether or not you think there's one there. So I just put down a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, let's talk about this one topic. Um, So like, again, like you, I did a variety of things that I remember causing me distress when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, from the very mundane all the way up to 
some of the deeper stuff. Um, I remember, um, when I was a child, the first time I would, I I have a lot of very vivid memories of walking into or sitting in a room and somebody else is watching television and something distressing is on the television Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it stays in my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, there was one where, I remember I was playing with my, for you 80s kids out there, I was playing with my um, Weeble Wobble haunted house. Do you guys remember Weeble Wobble? That haunted house was just incredible, they by the way. They weeble and they wobble, but they don't fall, fall down. Is that? Yes. Yes. Weeble Wobble. And the thing know, is, anyway. they had like their accessories in their house and everything were really cool, but the Weeble Wobbles themselves were no, bullshit. They were like, I, I really hated them. But the art was dumb. <laughs> but anyway, and I also had a weird thing about art when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> oh, God, we were pretentious. <laughs> but not on purpose. No. But I don't know what happened to us. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm sitting in a room and I don't know who was in. I I, I want to say Dad was just like dozing on the couch like he would do sometimes, and it was one of those Saturday afternoon things where it would switch from the lighthearted stuff into uh, reruns of B movies and stuff. And the movie that was playing was um, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And as you recall, this has the actress from um, I Better don't Off actually Dead. remember this movie. Better Off Dead, the mom. Oh. She was the main character in this movie. Anyway, uh-huh, it, uh-huh. it's this movie. She was in True Grit, kids. Yes, the original. she was. Um, she is a woman who is in this house that has been, there's, they're possessed by these little creatures that live in the walls. And at the end, like nobody believes her and all of this. And at the end, they end up drugging her. And the little creatures come out and trip her with a phone cord mm-hmm. and tie it around her ankle and are dragging her down into their little lair. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is how it ends. What? Yes. Really? So she's get, she gets dragged I mean, is that, into the wall. And, yes. No, is it, that legit. actually or just in your memory? No, legit. That's how it ends. So this is happening. And I'm just like focused on my weeble wobbles. <laughs> This is making me so sad. See, this is why I'm telling you. My stories are sad. I don't want to make anybody sad. But these are the kinds of things that I have vivid memories of. Just flashes of movies and commercials that cost me issues. But here's Um, the thing. I have... I'm super protective of the people that I love. mm -hmm. And there are a few people I love more than Brittany. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times I ask her just to stop telling me these stories. Well, okay, but I can't they, stop telling you because that's the point. Because I've done this to myself now. Yes. It's fine. So, I can anyway, get through this. Um, one of the things that I remember having a fear of that extended for, I don't know how long, days, weeks, um, I saw a part of, and I don't even remember which one it was. It wasn't the original The Blob. <laughs> this is the one. So Brittany and I, and I were talking about this podcast podcast earlier, and we try not to talk about what we're going to talk about so, so that we can fresh. have the conversation here. Yeah. But I told her that I have a memory of one thing that she was afraid of. Is this of. it? I don't know if you're going to go exactly there, but I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. All right. So you're kind of getting there. If I touch on it, you let me know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, um, but it wasn't the original, the blob. It wasn't the remake that they made in the eighties. So I looked it up and it's like son of the blob or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. All I know is in this movie, one of the pivotal points was you could stop the blob by making it cold. You had to freeze it in order to stop it Mm because if it kept eating and moving, it Mm -hmm. would just consume everything. Mm -hmm. 
So in my head, I was like, well, I can't make things cold. So I convinced myself that it was afraid of light. Mm -hmm. And so when I was younger, I don't know if you remember our bedroom in California, Mm -hmm. um, and we had a nightlight that was behind our chest of drawers, Mm -hmm. and it cast shadows out from under the chest of drawers. And when I had to get up in the middle of the night, I would make sure to step in the light Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was cast from the um, nightlight because I knew the blob couldn't get me in that way. Like the blob was just hanging out in our bedroom, Mm -hmm. ready to eat up. So that was like one thing. And then I was like, okay, well, there was that whole stint where, and I, I was talking to you about this earlier today and it's not like I was actually legitimately afraid that if I walked out the door, (laughs) a Wolverine was going to jump at my face. But there was a time when I like when I first heard about wolverines and people described them as ferocious and all of this and and I was like, wow, that sounds like it's a it's a real bitch, you know. <laughs> so so for a while it was that like went wolverines. On, that went on for a while though, and it wasn't like a paralyzing fear. I remember no, it, was it wasn't. Just, it, it was like it was more like boy howdy. I wish I I hope I don't run into a wolverine in my life. Yeah, so. and it was more kind of like you thought. Wolverines were bitches. Yes. And you just like, yes. you, what you was were the thing? more kind of like put off by them. Yes. <laughs> yes. But you said that at one point I had to write down something for like a school project or whatever that was, what's something that you don't like or that you hate? And I wrote down, yeah, <laughs> it I was wrote a, down Wolverine. Yeah. It was a profile of Brittany and it was like, you know, I have, you know, four brothers and sisters and I live in California and, and I remember that you brought it home and you weren't present at the time. I don't know where you were, but, um, mom had picked it up and was reading it. And then dad came over and they were kind of going through it and everything was normal. (laughs) It was like, I love horses and I like to dance. And then it was like, one thing I don't like is Wolverines. And here's the thing. (laughs) <laughs> Wolverine is like well known now, right? Because of the comic book and the movies and things like that. It was a thing back in the well. It, it was, but it but not but as broadly. Geek known. culture was yes. not as broadly known. Yeah. yeah, and even though we had geek culture in our house, I wasn't aware of the character of Wolverine. The fact that a child as young as you were was. <laughs> you know, invoking Wolverines was really strange. Well, you recall that we would read the encyclopedia. So I probably read about Wolverines in the encyclopedia and was like, those sound like bitches. <laughs> I Seriously. I really did understand what it was about Wolverines specifically. Well, and, I, you, and you're but. like, oh, well, that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, it never, that one didn't transfer to yeah. me. I was, I was, I was okay with Wolverines. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because, you know, they're fine. They're not going to come after us. Yeah. But again... I think about that, and I think about my fears of um, wild animals. And it's not like I'm paralyzed by the fear or anything, but you remember recently when I went on that hike by myself Mm -hmm. earlier this year, Mm -hmm. and I ran into a coyote unexpectedly, and, and I was like, oh, that's... I mean, coyotes, they're small, not particularly scary, but when you come across one like that, suddenly... And that close to you, mm-hmm. it can kind of remind you all of the sounds you're hearing around you could be yeah. like we have, we have mountain lions and we have like snakes and yeah. all kinds of terrible things that, and I just go wandering through the wilderness by myself. Meanwhile, because of I survived, I'm thinking about like all of the like crazy killers 
right and attackers which you should yes. they're just up on the mountain the old fogies they're, oh, it was the coyote was rush me. the coyote was actually trying to get away from the old fogies and That's then she's right. like fuck <laughs> this bitch again it was so, it was actually signaling for help <laughs> and i was like peace out took off down the mountain poor coyote i know i feel bad now i'm sorry so um, wild animals eating me. Yeah, there's... Um, Again, you can't reason with them. Like, no, no I don't taste good. No. There was a time um, that I was on a trail uh, and I was running. I was running back down. And I was coming around. And I ran around this one particular corner and there was a snake right in the middle of the trail mm-hmm. as I ran around the corner. And I'm actually not afraid of snakes. I've never been afraid of snakes. Uh-uh. That's notable because most things you talk about but I've been afraid of. But you have to know how point. to react to the wild variety. Well, here's the thing about it. The reason why this one, this moment troubled me so much was in, in that moment, there was this very clear thought of, I know how to react to a bear. I know what I'm supposed to do if it's a mountain lion. I have no idea right. with a snake. That was me. Am with I supposed the, to run? Am I supposed to hold still? I don't. That know. was me with the coyote, which yeah. I, at the time I had translated into a wolf in my head, but yeah. it, it was not even close to big enough. <laughs> I mean, so, so so I ran up on the snake and I stopped. And again, I don't know enough about snakes to even know the. You know, I know if it has a rattle, it's poisonous. But other than that, I have... Well, I don't want to be bitten by any of them. It no. <laughs> it was bright green. Yeah, I'm sure um, it was not. And I'm, I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was not, you know, venomous. Venomous? Venomous, yes. Um, But I stopped, and it was sunning itself, and it raised its head, and it looked at me. And we just kind of looked at each other for a few seconds. It's actually poignant. And then I... Got bitten. So, yeah, no, you'd know. Okay. Um, I slowly just kind of put one foot back and then another, and I just kind of yeah, backed they... as slowly as I could back up the trail. And the snake sort of came up a little more. It was, I, again, I don't know enough about snakes, but it was kind of holding its body up, and then this part of its body was moving it, mm-hmm. and it was so weird. Mm-hmm. And it moved, and it kept its head and it watched me until it got to the side of the trail in the then it took off. brush and then it just disappeared. Yeah, so, but I imagined it in my head with two little knives going, <laughs> Ey, I just want to figure out Ey. where those knives would be coming from. <laughs> I but mean, that's, no, that's the thing. Snakes, by and large, they don't want you to fuck with them. They just want to hang out and, and like, so you... If you run up on them, you just leave them alone. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't... Fine. It was fine. It just... <laughs> It had it had switchblades in my head, and it was making that sound. I always feel like I always feel like snakes should have arms, <laughs> but they don't. So I just have to click. Am myself. I the only one? No, I mean, no. And, and in my head, their arms are tiny. You with the funny They're thing tiny, is, skinny little. I'm just arms. sitting here and I'm thinking, snakes with arms. That's lizards, Jen. That's lizards. Not legs. I know, and that's where it just comes. arms. <laughs> because what well, you know, whatever oh, their tail can be, their legs. Oh Jesus! All right, Wait, I have gone so off track. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So we're. Smothering. So, so far we have the blob. Smothering and, and horror films. We have and then Wolverine. Wolverines and wild animals. But the thing that I think 
So I mentioned earlier that I was very introverted, like just incredibly, incredibly turned inward. Like I, I, people talk all the time about, Oh, I'm an introvert and I need to go home and recharge. And I'm like, even today, little Brittany would look at me and be like, you're an amateur Mm -hmm. at being an introvert because this, this child was really turned in and I know that you spend a good portion of your life in fear, and I know that I did too, but my reaction was to find a safe spot and then don't leave it, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. And for me, leaving it meant people. Mm -hmm. If I had to interact with people other than my direct family and a handful of close, trusted friends, that was where the scary part came in, Mm -hmm. and it was nonstop anxiety Mm-hmm. I think I have maybe, no, I can't even think of any, any happy memories when I was at school at all. There were ones that were mellow and you know, all that. But for, for me, it was constant anxiety until I was able to leave and not have to be in the presence of people anymore. I like to observe people. Was that, I don't like to be among them. Was that, um, was that because the, the, you, you were afraid of everyone was that, I mean, there were people you liked, you had friends. I feel like, um, the, the way I look at it now is I did not trust people. Even your friends? I, yes. So my family and one or two close friends. Yeah. Like I had a handful of friends and even the ones that I considered my friends, there were maybe one or two of them that I would completely trust. So I didn't trust them not to hurt me. I didn't trust them to have my best interests. Mm -hmm. I just thought not necessarily that they were out to get me, but that people in general were careless, selfish, unpleasant, which is, yes, (laughs) I know. But I mean, but for me to be a child that age and to have such ingrained trust issues, I just am kind of like what, whatever, well, you were born not trusting, and I was born afraid. So yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, broken. <laughs> what somehow. we were dipped I don't know. in. But um, so for me to be able to create my own worlds and tell my own stories and stay in my safe spot, that was that was it. So for me, and I know that's not what this this saying actually is about. But for me, literally, hell was other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I I loved people. Mm-hmm. I liked hearing about them. I liked watching stories about them. I liked writing about them. I did not ever want to have to interact with them. And so for me, I would do everything in my power to never be noticed. Mm -hmm. So for me, astral projecting would have been just the most fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And it should have been for me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my stories about things that absolutely terrified me were things where, um, like the, the whole, We've lived in some snowy places in our lives, and um, there was one time that I was walking. I don't even remember why I was walking around the side of the school the way that I was um, to get into the building. But um, I don't know if somebody who didn't know me as well had dropped me off in a place that was unusual. But I was walking around the backside of the middle school, and there was a group of boys who I was like, oh, shit, there's like three or four middle school boys, and everybody knows that middle school boys are shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I was in band. Of course I was. Um, 
very, very academically, I don't know, crazy, (laughs) I guess you could say. So I had backpack, I had lunch, I had flutes. I was like, if I can just get past these guys without them saying anything shitty to me, then it'll be fine. And I remember I walked, I was walking past them and hit like one of the smallest ice patches ever in the entire world. And anybody who knows me knows I can find that crack to trip on, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. ice to slip on, that hole to fall in. I am the one. To some degree, that's a land thing, but Brittany has it nailed. I am I am <laughs> adept. Um, so I slipped, and not just slipped, I epically fell, and everything I was holding went in a different direction. Flute one way, lunch the other way, backpack, you know, I just, and flat on my back. And I remember lying there and thinking, this is the prime moment for like a John Hughes film sort of thing to mm-hmm. happen um, for them to say the, like the worst shitty thing. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is for as bad as it was, mm-hmm. I was grateful for them to just clap <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> I hate this story. <laughs> I, I think it's hilarious because I was laying there in this ice puddle just thinking, Oh, thank God. <laughs> Thank God. It's still sad. I know. I mean, it's not like... I survived, Jen. You did. Anyway, for me, that was probably my biggest fear was having to be among my peers. (laughs) Oh. So that, I mean, that's pretty much where I was. I told you it wouldn't be funny. You get so wounded. (laughs) Well, I mean, some of of them are funny. I mean, not all of the topics are going to be as intense as childhood fears, right? right? So... But we found the humor. No, and wolverines. And here's the thing that we need to stress. Snakes with arms. (laughs) And maybe it was just... So, one of the things about me, I may have had a lot of fears and been a very afraid youth into part of my adulthood. Um, But I've always been intensely optimistic. Mm -hmm. I've always been. And and I think it it came from... um, we had a lot of realists in our family and I don't want to say pessimists because I don't believe they were pessimistic about it. It was just, they were very real about what was happening at any given time. But I always had to compensate by, you know, finding the good in what was happening and then talk about how it was going to get better. And that was another one of my defense mechanisms. So I think the way that I always looked at things was, yeah, I had these weird fears, but I think from the outside, people didn't see me that way. I think yeah. that, you know, the kids that I was friends with and the kids that I went to school with just saw me as just another kid that was, I certainly, I think that we quirky. all stood out definitely in quirky. a way because we were very quirky and we were very, the way we thought and the way that we approached things. I feel like, honestly, a lot more people than we are um, actually comprehending have similar experiences to this. Oh, like, for sure. Um, there not. is that weird thing that they were afraid of that yeah. they didn't want to talk talk about. Or um, maybe they had their little nook with their toasted coconut and had their existential <laughs> thoughts. We don't know this. Do you but- know what else I did when I sat in that little nook? 
so the built-in bookshelf also had records Mm -hmm. that were kind of down where I was sitting and I would pull the records out and I would imagine that there was a class of people listening to me and I would tell stories based on the records. Mm. And for some reason, a lot of the stories centered around Jesus but it wasn't like the Christian Jesus. It was like there was a lot of dance involved. And so like, my Jesus. Well, yeah, it was more like <laughs> a free spirit kind of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Where you know he he'd had, hang out with his unicorns. Yeah, yeah. And and Mary, yes, his mother. And for some reason, he and his mother <laughs> would like kick it all the time. Oh, sure. And like, hey, have, I hang with my son. You know, and and like have choreographed dances and like like like. Um, dinners Why? with various Why people. Why were we so weird? I don't know, but 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 the random people that I would put in to the dinners with Jesus and Mary, at, you know, like W.C. Fields and... Because our parents Okay, are yeah, older. that is... that Again, I expected anything <laughs> other than W.C. Fields. For some reason, I really liked W.C. Fields when I was a kid, and I really liked Laurel and Hardy. So Laurel and Hardy and Jesus actually hung out a lot in my stories. <laughs> so I'm going to have to, I, I might have to draw that. I mean, I always felt like it was respectful of Jesus in, you know, maybe, maybe if you asked her to traditional Christian, they wouldn't agree, but I always felt like I was giving Jesus his best life. (laughs) Well, that's that's the thing. That's what we always talk about with when we talk about Brutonese Jesus is my Jesus is like, he has his best life. He's like super chill and he really likes people and he wants people to be happy. And he has these, like this herd of whacked out unicorns and likes to ride a bike. I mean, seriously, this Jesus is the best Jesus. So our mother... Um, acquired this pillow. Um, oh my somebody God. gave it to her. It is so fucking amazing. And it's got, it's got Jesus. It's got a picture of Jesus. It's like a drawing of Jesus in a, in a field of pink flowers. And he has lambs. Is it lambs? I he has with him? I think it's I don't lambs. think he has lambs with him. I don't think he has anything with him. He's just sitting in a field of flowers. Oh, that's true. Sorry, I'm mixing laughing things his out. ass off. Yeah, he's just hanging out in this field of flowers, kind of staring at the sky and, and, and like, having a good laugh, which I think is oh my amazing. God. So laughing. And my mother told Brittany not- that she could have this pillow. Yes. When we went to see my mother a couple of weeks ago, I saw the pillow still sitting in her room, and I said, Mom, I thought you were giving that pillow to Brittany. You were there, but I don't know if you heard her. She said, I don't know. I kind of don't want to put him up to ridicule, even if it's a silly pillow. I am not ridiculing him. That's the thing. And that's what I told her. I said, do you really think... Do you really think that that's where Brittany is going with this? And I don't think she understands that this is a genuine thing, that Brittany has love in her heart for her version of Jesus. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> it's like, he's he's just like this chill guy. My version of Jesus is the best. Yeah. He just like loves everyone and everything. And he's just totally accepting of you no matter what happens. Like he And he would totally look at that picture and be like, that is the dumbest picture of me, you guys. But also the best. Yes. 
So I don't know. I don't. So think we need to somehow get her there. She's freaking. She's never going to understand my version of Jesus. So I guess I'm just going to have to act all respectful to the pillow. <laughs> I don't know because well, I, mean, I need that pillow in my life. I don't think you would be disrespectful to I'm the pillow. Not. Is what I'm saying. Like but that's what I mean. Like, but how do, also, how do you disrespect a pillow? I think she needs me to <laughs> venerate that pillow. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> so just, I don't know where we're going with this. All I say is. There's a story in that pillow, yeah. and we just told it. Yeah. So. Are you done with your... Yeah, that okay. was it. I am not afraid of Jesus. That was the end of my story. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've come up with a theme for the next time. Yes. Um, I certainly don't have to come up with a theme every time. Sure. But I have one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going to tell it to you now. And and you can send in whether you have a story about the one we just told, yes, or the next one. I would love to hear about your childhood fears. Mm-hmm. Normal, abnormal. You know what? This is truly a safe space. I just told you about my fear of astral projection. So and you can hit with me with whatever and Jesus pillow. I mean, so. let's be let's be clear. I'm not afraid of snakes with arms. No, I, I want snakes to have arms. But this is a safe place to talk about those. Things. It's true. Um, so, so hit us up with that. Um, you want to give the email address again right now and then we'll give it again at the very end? Yes. So our email address, if you want to, I mean, you can send comments or you can send suggestions or questions and then definitely send any kind of, um, stories that you have on these topics. Um, it's you got stories. That's Y O U got stories all smooshed together at gmail.com. And to be clear, if you don't feel that you are a writer, you don't have to write the story down in the, you can, um, but you can just say you have a story and this is basically what it's about. And then, you know, we can contact you to, to talk to you about it, to see if, if there's a story to tell on the podcast in the future, or you can write it. Um, so next time's theme is going to be grandparents, grandparents and whatever, Yeah. however you want to interpret that, whatever story you might have about grandparents. Oh, I got, I got some stories here. It's going to be interesting when there are things like grandparents, what kind of overlap you and I are going to have. And we have we have some colorful relatives in on both sides of the family. Yeah. So this will be it will be interesting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And and you know what? Um I mean clearly when when the topic is childhood fears when it when you're Gen Land, you know immediately what you're gonna talk about. But <laughs> typically one would hope. <laughs> but when I thought of grandparents, I actually, you know, that immediately I, I have a couple of different stories that come to mind, but I don't have a particular story that I want to tell, and that's why I came up with grandparents. I kind of want it to be more organic like that, so that's why... Like how grandma always put you in a bonnet? Yeah. <laughs> she was afraid for my skin, and actually I appreciate that yes. now. I hated the bonnet when I was but a little why, kid, but... why did I grow out of the bonnet and you got the bonnet? Why were there not multiple bonnets? I think... Maybe it was because I was more fair, like, hair-wise. I Maybe. don't know. I, I have know. theories. Um, but, so, y'all, another thing that you could email to us is ideas for themes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd Love be good. Love to hear that. If you have a story in particular that you would like to share, 
and you have an idea of a theme around that, it doesn't have to match a theme we've come up with because we're going to have to come up with lots of themes. Let's oh, yeah. be real. So We could talk for days. It's true. It's very true. That's what we're good at. Um, so I think, I think that yeah, about that does it. it. So you, you, you got feel good. You yeah. feel validated and I do. I do. I feel like, I feel like me and, and that I love my version of Jesus and yeah. it's good. Wolverines um, and I, I do not like them as much, yeah. although I'm better about them now yeah. these days. Uh, you got stories at gmail.com. This is the sister's land. Send us your shiz. And we are signing off. Bye. Mostly True is a podcast brought to you by Jen and Brittany's Idiocy. Our theme song is called The Big Ten and is done by The Blue Dot Sessions. 